Thank you very much. Seated on the dais, Union Minister for Information and Broadcasting and our uh, very dear friend, Colonel Rajivardhan Rathaurji, Surya Prakash Ji, Rajiv Ji, Panda Ji, seated in front of me, a very esteemed friend and our academic sibling, Tarun Vijay Ji, Sunil Arora Ji, and of course, the man behind the show and who actually is responsible for having made me stand before you, our friend and Director General AIR, Fiyaz Shahriyar Saab. At the outset, uh, I have to thank you for uh, having uh, given me this opportunity to share some of uh, my thoughts and also to learn from you and from this uh, audience of uh, highly enlightened and literate gentlemen and gentle ladies. I look forward to this as a very educative experience and I'm sure when I go back from here at the end of uh, this brief program, I shall go back wiser than before. I must admit at the outset that uh, when uh, Fiyaz Shahriyar suggested to me that I could be a speaker, I was rather honestly speaking taken aback because uh, I do not think my profile is in keeping with these kind of lectures. Though I have been a lecturer all my life, but I was never a student of commerce, finance, political science, all my life a student of science and that too medical science. But yes, this happens. When I came into the government, I was assigned to deal with atomic energy and space. So I had to start learning physics from ABC because I had, uh, as a medical student, given up physics after class 10. And then at the most, we, we were taught only chemistry or biochemistry. And therefore, to an extent, I'm also grateful to Fiyaz Shahriyar that he forced me into a position where I had to sit down and learn some of the nuances of cooperative federalism, the financial aspects of it and the political nuances of it. I also feel humbled by the list of the persons that was just spoken out who have been associated with this memorial lecture. See Raj Gopalchari. I don't know how many of us would recall that once long back there was a book written by Natwar Singh where he referred to a foreign commentator who said Raj Gopalchari was one person who could be head of state in any part of the world. So it's a very tough job and a big responsibility to take a dais which was initiated by Rajaji as he was affectionately called. And uh, also a great honor to be associated with the name of Sardar Vallabhai Patel whom all of us uh, remember and respect as a person who was responsible for having brought over 565 princely states into the Indian Union and given the Indian Union the kind of format that it exists. And I think nobody else can understand the importance of this better than someone like me who comes from Jammu and Kashmir about which they said that had Sardar Patel also been given a free hand to deal with Jammu and Kashmir, the course of events would have been different. But we would not go into that because that's an issue for a separate lecture and a separate seminar. And uh, incidentally, this also happens to be the accession week of Jammu and Kashmir. So therefore, coming directly to the subject assigned to me this morning, I'm, I also have to thank for the kind introduction before I start. I think it was a little overstatement by Fiaz when he said intellectual. 
I myself am not aware what is the definition of intellectual. At least, I hope he is not putting us in the class of those award wapsi wale intellectual. <laughs> but nevertheless, we are not intellectuals, but we are thinkers. We keep bothering ourselves and bothering others with certain whatever comes to our mind and then try to learn each moment, each day of our life. The lecture of mine has already been circulated. I am not sure whether you would have gone through that. And therefore, I would not bother you with reading out the entire script of it. I will just like to dwell on some of the salient features or some of the points which might be coming to me randomly and which might have come to me during the course of these few minutes when I was listening to others. Because uh, sometimes the circulated text loses uh, its uh, entirety when the discussion starts. I remember soon after I came back from my post-graduation and MD, and I was yet to be posted, I was asked to report to the Rashtrapati Bhavan to be in the long queue of doctors which accompanies the president wherever he goes. And the president incidentally was Gyanis El Singhji. So I was the last in the queue as a young boy. I had nothing to do just to watch from the wings. And we had to go to a university for a convocation. And when Gyaniji came on the dais, as was his individual style, he said, oh, the career to taksim ho gai hai. So it can be assumed to have been read. If that be so, fiasa, my job is over. And we can go for tea. So Gyaniji said, sirf ek minute ruk jaiye. Panna number nao palati hai. So everybody started doing that. इसका जो तीसरा पैरा है आखिर में वो ना पढ़िएगा वो गलत हो गया बाकी पढ़ लीजिएगा एंड देन वी कैन डिस्पर्स सो लाइक एज यू आस अ बॉय नॉट टू चाइल्ड नॉट टू डू समथिंग यू डेलीवरी एवरीबडी स्टार्ट रीडिंग व्हाट इट वाज एंड देन ज्ञानी जी सेट के मैंने अपने सेक्रेटरी से कहा था कि मेरी तकरीर में महिला शिक्षा पर थोड़ा बल देना परंतु यहां क्या हुआ कि पीएचडी की सारी डिग्रियां बालिकाओं को ही मिली तो ये थोड़ा पैरा गलत हो गया सो this is an opportunity also to correct what is being written in the text already. But having said that, I would say I would rather go outside the text and try to dwell on some of the random thoughts that occurred to me while being here or while on my way to this venue or when Fiyaz Saab asked me to dwell on this subject. The first thought that came to my mind was, I said, what would be the ideal definition of cooperative federalism in general? Maybe the subject was assigned to me in a certain context, the certain context of a certain nation or certain milieu. But otherwise, would it not be a natural instinct for any species, a human species or a society or a nation, to have a natural urge to live in an atmosphere of cooperation and coexistence? So would it not be something which should be coming naturally to every living being if we do not get entrapped in the conditioning of the socio-political milieu in which the subject has been allotted. The same thought occurred to me in the beginning of this year when I was asked to speak on World Brotherhood Day to mark the day of Swami Vivekananda. And since sometimes the lectures are so much piled up that you get a time to think over it only when you are driving to the place. So when the moment I reached there, I said the first thought came to me, why should we have a discussion on brotherhood? Are we not brothers otherwise? Kaua kaua ka bhai, kutta kutte ka bhai, saam saam ka bhai. And do we have to remind ourselves that a human being is a human being's brother and he ought to live in a state of cooperation and a federalist coexistence? And then suddenly that occurred to me and I told them, I said, in college, we'd come across a verse by Ghalib and we dismissed it. Ke bhai Ghalib to kabhi falsafana andaz mein likhte the, kabhi romaniyat mein, kabhi dono mix ho jata tha. But now I realize how much beyond times he had thought when he wrote ke bas ke dushwar hai har kaam ka asaan hona aadmi ko bhi mayassar nahi insaan hona so it's not it's not every individual's privilege 
and destiny to become a human being. If we had, then we possibly didn't have to debate on these subjects of living in cooperation or in coexistence. But be that as it may, as long as we do not evolve to that level of realization, possibly we need to have some kind of regulation for ourselves, some kind of law for ourselves, some kind of legislation for ourselves, some kind of binding for ourselves, some kind of a written dictum for ourselves. As Voltaire once said that if you don't have God, you might have to invent one. To discipline yourself. And therefore, maybe we have to make it a part of the rule book that is something called cooperative federalism, which I don't think should be also taken otherwise because for a democracy like India, we are very young. We are just about 70 years. In the age of an individual, this appears to be a long lifespan because when you are 50, 60, 70, and you subconsciously begin to realize, though you hate to believe that your lifetime was, your time is also coming to an end. And then you start thinking of so many things. But in the life of a nation, the lifespan is measured in centuries, in eras, yugome. And therefore, this is even a small, just even a small fraction. And therefore, we are still evolving, evolving to a level where maybe the older democracies have already evolved and they might have lost the relevance of discussing these subjects. And therefore, our founding fathers, considering the kind of stage of infancy that Indian democracy was, were of course visionaries, all of them in their own right, and they gave us a constitution which gave us this concept of a federation, but they did not consciously give it the nomenclature of a federal state. Maybe considering the requirements at that time, maybe they might have thought that we were still to evolve over a period of time to a stage where other federal states or nations, including United States, had already evolved. And therefore, I can, without being modest, take credit in saying that it was destined for this government and Prime Minister Modi to revisit the entire concept of federalism and give it the nomenclature of cooperative federalism and try to understand how best to go about with it. And to that extent, I can also say that just as Nehru's uh, midnight arrival heralded a new era for India, when he said when the entire world sleeps, India wakes, and the midnight of 1415, the twilight arrival of Narendra Modi at 6 p.m. on the 26th of May 2014, as I always say, could be described as a sunrise at sunset. Also because physically and literally it happened that all the television sets across the world got lit up and there was so much light that it is virtually like a sunrise happening. And that marked the beginning of a new era. And maybe it was destined for a prime minister of this era and a government of this era to seek to revisit this subject because I am trying to confine myself to the relevance of the contemporary context, otherwise we can go on and on. And certainly, therefore, it would also be a compliment to the Prime Minister's vision and his insight and also to the evolving new nuances and requirements of a 70-year-old nation. On the physical part, I think the three historic steps taken by this government without sounding to be a government spokesman, which I am not. The setting up of Niti Aayog is one. We may sometimes, out of cynicism or out of our tendency to be a little skeptic about everything new, take time to believe. But I am sure generations will recall it. 
Niti Aayog, and second the devaluation of taxes, and third the creation of an atmosphere for the introduction of GST, would be some of the measures, the impact of which would be realized on a larger canvas in the years to come, and which would form an inherent part of what we describe as cooperative federalism in the modern times and era, where the economic constraints and economic uh, realizations predominate over everything else. As far as the Niti Aayog is concerned, it had been realized for several years now. Many of the opinion makers had written there were also write-ups appearing from time to time that Planning Commission had possibly disgraced its earlier role, which is without challenging the wisdom of those who had established it because maybe it was required at that time. And therefore, and Planning Commission had possibly disgraced its role of primarily being a think tank. And there was also opinion coming from the states that, at least in the economic part, the routing of grants in aid was being managed by the Planning Commission more than it should have. And therefore, the reincarnation of this commission in the form of Niti Aayog was meant to encourage more of cooperation among the various federal states through a structured initiative or a structured sport, I would say, and be to accommodate the diverse opinions of the various states and also to deepen their engagement in the affairs of the nation, the affairs of the state, which I think nobody could have understood better than someone like Narendra Modi, who had himself been a chief minister with the center being run by a different party for almost 15 years. And therefore, Niti Aayog also paved the way for the formation of a governing council, which unlike in the planning commission, included the chief ministers, the governors, the administrators of the various union territories, and therefore gave it a greater leverage for comradeship, for participation, and uh, then went beyond that to form subgroups. Now we have subgroups on some of the flagship programs headed by certain chief ministers, certain governors, like for example, you have one for the Swachh Bharat. So the decision making and the conclusion making was not entirely left to the center. And a beginning has been made, which is of course too early. It will evolve as we move ahead. The second important decision, I think, which would also go in with the endeavor for promoting this federalism through mutual cooperation is the arriving at a consensus to bring about the GST. The mere slogan of one nation, one tax itself carries a lot of a symbolic significance. It tends to bind us in a single cord. And of course, it is a provision to provide a unified common national market by integrating the various taxes by the center and state, as we all know, taxes as well as levies. And there too, for decision-making, we have a GST council, of which all the finance ministers of the different respective states are members, with the union finance minister being its head. So again, it is not left to the center. And if you are not ready to believe instantly to the intentions of the government or the intentions of the makers of this concept, because we live in an era of evidence and we go by statistics and data, I think you would agree that the decision-making has also been made statistical in GST Council. For any decision to be ratified, you need to have three-fourths of majority. And the vote share of the centre is only one-third, and that of the states is two-thirds. So one-third vote of the centre alone cannot also force a decision. 
nor can the two-third vote of state alone. So unless center and the states come on the same page, willingly or unwillingly, happily or unhappily, agreeing or disagreeing, no decision would happen. I think that should also be a reflection of the sincerity and the intention that has gone behind this. And the third aspect, as I said, in keeping with this concept was the acceptance of the 14th Finance Commission leading on to an increase in the divisible pool of taxes from 32% to 42%. And earlier complaint was that uh, the devolution of the divisible pool was accompanied by the reduction in the center's uh, aid in grant. But in the last few months that uh, this has been practiced, again going to the figures and statistics, the report is that not only there has been increased resources on the part of the states, there are also rise in the capital expenditure and as many I have in this lecture mentioned the data statistics and the tables. 26 states of the country have recorded rise in their total quantum and therefore we have statistical reason to believe that even if it was an experiment to begin with, when we did so a year or so back, it was an experiment in the right direction. But beyond this economic aspect of it, and also the cooperative federalism, as is the title of the lecture assigned to me, I would, if you permit me, also add to it another term, that is of competitive federalism. And I think this kind of a healthy milieu of mutual cooperation in a healthy and a positive spirit also paves the way for a healthy competition which in turn enables the individual states as well as the center to improve upon themselves at different levels. And going beyond this, I would say that if this experiment of cooperative federalism helps us to grow in the arena of competitive federalism and to become better than what we are as individual states and the center, this is going to be again a unique experiment in a democratic practice. And this might also be a reflection of Indian democracy coming of age. And this might be an experiment which could be emulated in other spheres of our activity as well. And uh, therefore, I would in the end say that politically and socially, there is also a vindication of sorts for those of us who are part of this government. When this government was sworn in, on the evening of 26th, the immediate reaction, because we are still evolving to that genre of specialized journalism, as we have in West, we have different sets, genre of economic journalism, different genre of war journalism. We in India still have majority of them as general journalists, which see through the prism of politics. And the immediate criticism that was forthcoming was that this was a government, and this was a prime minister with a huge mandate and a huge majority, and therefore, leave aside cooperative federalism, there will be no federalism at all. And this will be an authoritarian government. And there was so much of apprehension and bias and people had already started looking at some of the critic friends of ours. And as uh, someone who is also MOS and PMO, a question often asked was, don't you think PMO has become authoritarian? And my standard answer would be no, PMO has become PMO, which it was not for the last 10 years. Because the authority was being exercised from another quarter and the nation forgot what PMO is like. So I think with the kind of statistics and data which I have tried to place before you and also included in this book is also a kind of vindication of the fact that the Prime Minister is a Democrat and has also lived up to the 
government's uh, commitment of sabka saath sabka vikas because this cooperative federalism is in fact also an inspiration of the philosophy of sabka saath sabka vikas and at a capacity to accommodate diversities in a country as heterogeneous as india and also realizing the dream of our founding fathers to assure in an era of peaceful uniform growth for all which i'm sure must have been the dream of our founding fathers and the founding fathers of the nation as well as the founding fathers of the this constitution and to that extent i think it would be reasonable to say that cooperative federalism though as it sounds to be in our context and is often discussed in the contemporary context of india is discussed more often than not and maybe rightly so in economic and financial terms sometimes also in the political jargon but i think in the long run it would serve the purpose of proving to be a psychological binder among the different units of indian republic the states union territories the states and the three tier system of the center state and the local bodies it'll give us also a sense of belonging a feeling of companionship and above all the confidence of being equal partners in the development of nation and development of the individual states we are in a very initial phase of uh, this experiment but the statistics are encouraging and i'm sure history will record this as a path breaking initiative both of prime minister modi and both of this government and cooperative federalism because the history of nations is written in eras before independence you had pre war era post war era relating to world war then you have pre independence you have post independence and i'm sure when the history is written there will be at least one chapter on the modi era as well and this would go down as a modi doctrine when it gains wider acceptability i am sure what has been written and stated before you would give you a cue for thought and would also enable us to receive some more valuable cues to improve upon this initiative and to improve upon the concepts that this government is trying to commit itself thank you very much once again